Good morning. I will say it's wonderful to be here. My presentation is about William Barrett Pease. He was the Blackfeet agent during the crisis of <clears throat> Philip Sheridan's Pagan Expedition and B Baker's Massacre of the Cuddies. At different times during 1870, he called for a thorough investigation of the massacre. He faced many problems with that, especially from the military command, because he himself was a lieutenant in the U.S. Army. Lieutenant William Barrett Peace served as Blackfeet agent from June 1869 to September 1870 during the crisis in Indian Affairs in Montana Territory that led to Lieutenant General Philip Sheridan's winter warfare, his plan known as the Pagan Expedition, and Major Eugene Baker's massacre of Heavy Runner's peaceful and friendly Pagunis on January 23, 1870. Lieutenant Pease's reports on January 30th, February 6th, April 7th, and September 12th, 1870, contributed greatly to an immediate nationwide debate in the press about the massacre and the Indian question. How will the nation deal with Native people peacefully through President Grant's Indian policy, the Quaker experiment, or through more violence, wars, and massacres? What some contemporaries called the extermination policy. Some people called it Sherman's and Sheridan's extermination policies. Pisa's reports showed the striking discrepancies between military reports and what Indians said about the attack. He exposed the problem of killing non-combatants in U.S. Indian warfare, and he was severely condemned by the military command for submitting his findings to the Office of Indian Affairs. Pisa's reports laid the foundation for the Pigan perspective of the massacre, a counter-narrative to the military viewpoint. The emphasis in this session will be Peace's demand for, in his words, a thorough investigation and the emergence in the press of a severe critique of Sheridan's Pigan expedition and Baker's massacre of the clinics. Sheridan proposed to General William T. Sherman a plan of military action against the Pagans on October 21st, 1869. Let me find out exactly where these Indians are going to spend the winter. And about the time of a good heavy snow, I will send out a party and try and strike them when they will be very helpless. Sheridan knew, and these are his words, only the women and children and the decrepit old men were with the villages. The purpose of Winter warfare was to strike the Indians a hard blow and force them onto reservations set apart for them to show to the Indian that he, with his villages and stock, could be destroyed. Sherman sent word to him Your proposed action for the punishment of these marauders has been approved. Inspector General Hardy reported It was the universal belief among the citizens and the military that there was no hope of a cessation of hostile acts on the part of these Indians unless the strong arm of the government made itself felt upon them. On January 13, 1870, ten days before the massacre, 
Peace arrived at Fort Shaw from Fort Benton for an interview with Hardy, who mistakenly identified Fellows D. Peace with William Barrett Peace and inaccurately summarized their reports and views about the Pagans. Hardy thought William Barrett Peace had no intimate knowledge of Pagan affairs and the condition of Indian affairs was unpromising. Hardy said the Indian situation in Montana was not alarming, not alarming. Then he told Sheridan that Pigan chastisement was necessary. And Major Baker concurs with this decision. Major Baker reported the expedition as a scout made by me against the hostile Pagans and Blood Indians. And in the violence that followed, <clears throat> After locating a Pagan winter camp, Baker said, We killed 173 Indians, captured over 100 women and children, and over 300 horses. The women and children prisoners were allowed to go free, as it was ascertained that some of them had the smallpox. The expedition destroyed 44 lodges with all their supplies and stores. Because smallpox prevailed in the camp, it was decided to burn all their possessions. On orders from Sherman and Sheridan, Major Baker updated his combat report on March 23rd, two months after the attack, declaring that of the 173 killed, he said, 120 were able men and 53 were women and children killed accidentally. He wrote, too much credit cannot be given to the officers and men of the command for their combat during the whole expedition. One editor reported that the Senate wanted information from the President about the Baker butchery and asserted there was nothing about the attack connecting hostile depredations with the Pig Inn village that was butchered. First reports from Cincinnati, Ohio and Columbus, Georgia showed the attack to be simply a butchery of women and children and the aged. And officers sent lying dispatches, announcing a victory and pretending a fight. We believe that this is a false report and that there were not 30 fighting men in the encampment. The people who lived in the areas of Fort Shaw and Fort Alice applauded the results of the Pagan expedition. A soldier from Philadelphia wrote, Wherever we passed on our return, we were greeted with cheers and invited to partake freely of the hospitality of the people. One settler inquired of Lieutenant Doan, Will the Indians remain quiet now, do you think? Doan responded, Well, I can't say, but there are 173 very good arguments in favor of their remaining quiet lying out on the Marias. During and after the Civil War, William Barrett Peace had an interesting military career. He volunteered for military service, fought during the Civil War to save the Union, abolish slavery, and create a better social and economic environment for free black people. On August 11, 1862, Peace, an 18-year-old New Haven, Connecticut student, enlisted for a three-year tour of duty 
in Company H, 15th Regiment, Connecticut Volunteers. He got really sick and was discharged about six months later. Uh, but then uh, he enlisted and served in other units during the Civil War. He didn't give up. He volunteered and rejoined the Union cause as second lieutenant in the 8th United States Colored Infantry from October 15, 1863 until September 18, 1865. After the Civil War, Lieutenant P. served in the 11th Infantry Regiment of the Regular Army from 1867 to 1869. During the next phase of his career, he was unassigned to military duty uh, from 1869 to 1870 while serving as agent of the Blackfeet Indians during the crisis of the Pagan Expedition and the Baker Massacre. I think I need a drink of water. Agent <laughs> Peace conducted a thorough investigation, I use his own words, he conducted a thorough investigation <clears throat> in order to discover what happened to his charges on January 23, 1870. He felt a double responsibility as he was both Indian agent and an army officer. <clears throat> he interviewed the officers involved in the military expedition when they returned to Fort Shaw January 28th to 30th. While at the fort, he also discussed the results of the Pagan expedition with Colonel de Turbriant, commander of Fort Shaw and the Montana Military District. Peace visited with a friend and acquaintance who was also an army officer at Fort Shaw and gathered information about the attack from Northwest Fur Company merchants and traders at Fort Benton where he resided. <clears throat> For a long time I wondered why he didn't mention his friend's name. I wanted to look him up and see if I could get some more information from his friend who was an army officer at Fort Shaw, but he never mentioned his name. Then I realized <laughs> that would have put him in deep jeopardy um, with the commander of the fort. Peace wrote his first report about the massacre to Alfred Sully on January 30th. The contents are partially revealed when Sully told Colonel de Tobriant he had seen the reports of Baker's attack that stated 173 Indians were killed. He then abruptly asked Trobriant, how many of these killed were men? It has been reported to me that there were only 20 or 30, the rest women and children. Peace visited Big Lake's camp on February 3rd to the 5th, 1870, conferred with some of the survivors of the attack, and then on February 6th, submitted a second report on the massacre to Alfred Sully. On February 10th, Sully endorsed Peace's report, wrote his own letter about the attack, and forwarded both documents to Eli Parker, Commissioner of Indian Affairs. Vincent Collier, uh, Secretary to the Board of Indian Commissioners, picked up the information in Peace's report and summarized it in a letter to Felix Bruno, Chairman the Board of Indian Commissioners on February 22, 1870. The very next day, 
The New York Times published Collier's letter, and the next day the information tr triggered a, a nationwide debate about Indian affairs and Major Baker's uh, massacre of the Pagans. Collier publicly revealed the Army's atrocity, calling attention to the sickening details of Colonel Baker's attack. The massacre should be thoroughly investigated by the military authorities under the direction of Congress. The New York author of another piece that came out the next day, The Slaughter of the Pagans, referred to the event on the Marias River as a massacre, an atrocious affair, and a butchery. So he used all that vocabulary. The author raised serious questions about the moments before the troops opened fire. Here, in the dead of winter, a great force of well-armed, well-mounted troops surrounded and surprised an Indian village. Did the soldiers call for the Indians to surrender? Did they give any quarter? Was there an effort to capture those guilty of crimes? The soldiers simply began and continued butchery until 173 persons were killed. Mr. Collier tells us that these 173, only 15 were soldiers, 90 were women, and the other 50 casualties were children, boys and girls under 12 years old. Collier reported, as peace had, that many of the children were in their parents' arms when they perished. <clears throat> the reporter concluded, can we call the killing of 173 people of whom 140 were women and children, anything but a sickening slaughter. Are not the facts sufficiently shocking to demand an inquiry by Congress? A Chicago paper regarded the Baker massacre as the most disgraceful butchery in the annals of our dealings with the Indians. <clears throat> Sheridan fought back after all of that. Um, he lambasted Vincent Collier for reporting the details of the massacre in the press, and that letter was, by the way, read in Congress, too. It became part of uh, congressional papers. Condemned the wild Indians under his own command, none of whom were from Heavy Runners' massacred band, and fulminated against the Indian ring, trying to maintain its grasp over Indian affairs. Americans, he wrote, this is Sheridan, must decide who shall be killed the whites or the Indians? They can take their choice. <clears throat> One editor wrote, Sheridan knows he lies about this matter because of the useless slaughter of women and children. That is the point, and it cannot be obscured. Sheridan told Sherman that since he starts finding ways to justify himself and what he did. Sheridan told Sherman, since 1862, at least 800 men, women, and children have been murdered within the limits of my present command in the most fiendish manner. The men usually scalped and mutilated, their blanks cut off and placed in their mouths. Women ravished, sometimes 50 and 60 times in succession. Sheridan created this sensational report to build a spirit of revenge in white Americans to unleash war against Indians. In March 1870, 
He suddenly raised the estimate from 800 to 1,200 brutal deaths of white people at the hands of wild Indians. Then he said, it would appear that Mr. Vincent Collier wants this work to go on. And he accused Collier of working on behalf of corruptionists in the Indian ring. <clears throat> Sheridan, upset about receiving some doggerel poetry in the mail, complained to Sherman why he was angry at the public for criticizing the Pagan expedition. Cora Daniels Tappan sent Sheridan the, port, the poetry, including one entitled The Massacre of the Pagans, where, she said, women and babes shrieking awoke to perish mid the battle smoke. These works condemned Sherman and Sheridan for their Indian extermination policies. <clears throat> Collier reacted to Sheridan's outrageous statements by publishing a rebuttal in New York that General Sheridan strikes out at me almost as wildly as he did the poor Pagans, and with about as much justice. Collier pointed out that he had simply pulled aside the curtain and let the American people see what you, Sheridan, call a great victory over the Indians. He took it as his responsibility to say to Sheridan, cease your bloody work. None of the Indian depredations recounted by Sheridan furnish any excuse for the indiscriminate carnage, this slaughter of unarmed, the helpless, and the innocent. Lydia Marie Child, writing from Boston, fumed, shame on General Sheridan, everlasting shame. If I were to pass him on the street, I would avoid even the touch of his shadow. Child severely uh, criticized Sheridan for the indiscriminate slaughter of helpless women and innocent babies in the Pagan camp. Sheridan's troops perpetrated the outrage and shame on General Sherman for sanctioning it. Sheridan issued uh, General Orders Number 1 commending Baker and the troops, but the people will nevertheless continue to look upon the affair as having been no better than a cold-blooded massacre. So throughout the nation, these editorials and articles and material keep coming back uh, as a severe critique of what Baker and Sheridan had done. Colonel Chaubriand thought Major Baker deserved a promotion for his efforts, and an editor argued, this shocking massacre calls for a court-martial by order of the president and an investigation by the Congress. summary of the destruction of Heavy Runner's Village, based on Pisa's report spread across the nation. In retaliation, Colonel Chauvrian tried to silence Pease. On March 27th, he accused Pisa of making false statements and slandering the army. Pease had exposed the fact that Baker's expedition had disregarded General Order Number 100 against slaughtering non-combatants. Prominent Americans objected to the conduct of war against Indians espoused by Sherman and Sheridan. Colonel Tappan and others called on the nation to abide by civilized nations' rules of war, uh, to respect and protect prisoners 
and non-combatants. Peace demanded a full investigation, in part to clear his name, but also to discover why the military's reports differed so greatly from the Indians. Baker's guesses and estimates about the age, the sex, and condition of the casualties satisfied Sheridan and Sherman. Sherman preferred to believe the troops killed mostly warriors in Mountain Chief's camp, and that the firing ceased the moment resistance was at an end. Colonel Chaubriand confronted uh, Peace several times, demanded him, why did you make such a report of the recent fight on the Marias? Peace shot back at Chaubriand that the report he made was a true one. Chaubriand threatened him to forcibly remove him from Fort Shaw using a corporal and four men if he ever came back. So he, it was very serious contention between the colonel and Lieutenant Pease. Chaubriand oh. then resorted to the press. Uh, he conjured up a, a Jesuit priest called Father Devereaux to take sides with the, the, his view of the Baker Massacre and to dispute Peace's report. He claimed this, the attack was salutary, preventing depredations in the spring of 1870. A critic from Cincinnati saw the striking contradiction of the military ordering a massacre policy and then arguing that the Pagan expedition was not a massacre. The author concluded, if massacre works so well, why seek to belittle it? Extermination has a timely ally in this pious Jesuit missionary who testifies to such beneficial effects from massacre that not to extend it, that would be a sin. So they really uh, seriously contended with the military view of what they had done on the Marias River. Peace's four reports in 1870 caused a, a nationwide debate in the press about U.S. Indian policy, the military strategies of attacking and massacring winter camps, questions of reform of Indian policy, enforcement of rules of war in Indian warfare, and whether Indian affairs should be managed by the Interior Department uh, or by the military, the War Department. The press made a severe critique of Sheridan's Pecan expedition, Baker's massacre of Pecones, and thwarted efforts by the military to call a massacre a battle. The press wanted Baker, Sheridan, and Sherman investigated and held responsible for their roles in the atrocity. Editors across the country demanded congressional investigations and court-martial proceedings against the officers responsible. Peace included a final demand for an investigation of the Pigan uh, expedition and his last uh, report as Blackfeet agent. Of the affair known in the newspapers as the Pigan Massacre, there is no occasion for me to make any further mention. As at the time of the occurrence, I made full military and Indian reports, which were duly acted upon by the newspaper reporters. I will only suggest that the reports of the military and the Indians conflict 
In most important particulars of the affair, the matter be subjected to a thorough investigation. Pisa's reports um, laid the basis then for history writing from that point forward, except most often he got disregarded until me. Um, Pisa was very troubled about the dissimilarities between the military reports and what the Indians told him happened to them. The debate in the press during the 70s contributed, 1870s contributed to the emerging, developing Pakuni perspective of the Baker Massacre. George Minnipenny, a former commissioner of Indian Affairs, gave encouragement to the Indian viewpoint in his chapter published in 1880. <clears throat> really striking evidence underpinning the Pakuni perspective is the testimony of Heavy Runner's heirs about what happened to them during the Baker Massacre on their camp. The survivors' reports, especially Bearhead and Spearwoman, strengthened the modern Pakuni version of the Baker Massacre narrative. There is now a strong counter-narrative to the military perspective. That's where I brag about myself. There's in the Montana, the magazine of uh, Western history, last spring, there was an article about the massacre, the competing narratives, and that's, we're up to date now, looking at all the sources and a, with a more full, complete story of what actually happened that day. William Barrett Pease laid the basis for much of these developments in his courageous reports about the Baker Massacre of Pig Ends.